Hello, and welcome to Dad Educates Daughter on 80s Music, Series 4, Episode 5. Hello, Rebecca. How are you? Hello, Dad. I'm all right. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. So, this week, you had... So, we're on the male soloists. You had Stevie Wonder, Elvis Costello... Eddie yep. Grant, David Grant, Boy George, and Marilyn. So, what did you think of this week? This week was, I don't know. Like, there's a difference in the artists. And, like, it got me thinking that, like, the soloists give me, like, more variety. Like, they can be completely different in the genres to each other. Like, Mm -hmm. as in, like, you could be in the same genre, but the type of music is completely different. Just because they can literally express themselves through the music without having to, like, agree with others and make sure everyone's wanting the same thing out of it. So, And that's a lot of reasons why bands do break Mm -hmm. up. And I suppose this is how some of these soloists come about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it got me thinking this week. Um, It's been an odd week, and I don't know what you'll think of my um, opinions at the end when I tell you whether they're hit or miss. But, yeah, it they weren't all what I was expecting, but I don't know what I was expecting, not going to lie, because I don't really know. Obviously, I always go in blind. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. This week just had a different feel to, like, previous weeks. Like, I was really mm-hmm. blind this week. Um, like, even down to, like, number ones, uh, that was hard to pinpoint, like, any number ones. Like, none mm-hmm. of them seemed that big oomph where I think people would have been like, yeah, let's go and get this. So I've yeah. gone safe this week, and I've only... I've well, I was going to say, there's nothing to say there was a number one. Yeah, but I swear... Right, so I've gone for two number ones, and I swear... And I didn't go back and look at last week because, to be fair, I don't write down the number ones in my notes. Um, but I could have gone back and listened, but I didn't. But from memory, I feel like Stevie Wonder has a number one, and I know it because I actually listened to it with Paul McCartney. Okay, so Ebony and Ivory, you're saying, yeah. is a number one? Obviously. Yes, yeah. and then I also think, do I do? I do, I do. Do I do I do? Do I do? Yeah. Do I do? Yes. You're saying is another number one. But I don't think anyone else had a number one. Like I say, I've gone safe. Like even, you know, the man Boy George, I don't think he had a number one on his own. Okay. You'll be amazed at what fans will do, though, as we've said before. Yeah, I did think that. I did think, oh, maybe he has got one. But I, yeah. I went for two. I didn't want to go too high. I went low. That's fine by me, because you listened to four number ones. Okay, so now, like, I don't want to even make a guess at where the other two could be, because I could be completely wrong with my other one. Um, But, yeah, I now want to know where they are. Like, are they all Stevie Wonder? Has Boy George come in there? Or has someone else taken it? Ah, we We will find out. We shall now let's talk music. 
let's talk Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Right. He's the blind guy, isn't it? He is blind, he, isn't he? He is blind, yes. Okay. So that I know him as that, and I know that he's an amazing musician being able to do that, and he can play instruments as well. Uh, he's got an amazing voice. Like It's clear, his voice. Like You're never like struggling to be like, what? What are you saying? Um, and it's quite different. Like He's got quite a distinct voice, but not in like, I don't know, it's not like, you know, like other people have had a distinct voice. It's because it's really high or whatever. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. just distinct. I think it's just because he's like so clearly sung. Um, I've never really listened to him before. I know like of him, but I don't know him because like he's, I know he's big, but I've never gone out and explored his music. Um, I feel like when I was listening, he uses a variety of instruments, which I quite liked because it's not like the same old, same old. And so with that, I put a genre as soul reggae. Um, There's no videos uh, at all. He looks like a cool guy, though. Like I know what he looks like, but because there were no videos and I know what he looks like, I've not really seen him young. Because even like when there was album art, album artwork, it didn't really mm-hmm. give too much up. So either he's just not aged and he look, has looked like that all his life, or like that it's not album artwork and it's made by fans because he looks mm-hmm. how I know him, if you know what I mean. And I didn't want to risk Googling anything to find out what he used to look like just in case anything popped up. So, yeah. Okay. So Stevie Wonder, born... Stevland Hardaway Judkins is his oh, actual name. What a name. Yes. What yeah. A name. He is from Saginaw in Michigan, US, and he has been right. active in the music business since 1961. So, uh, quite quite a while. Um he is a singer Songwriter, musician, and record producer. Oh, I didn't know that. Which is what he's gone into, obviously, when he finished. So he is known for soul, R&B, pop, funk, and gospel. He's He's also listed as jazz and progressive soul. Well, at least he's got soul. So... Quite, quite uh, um, uh, and I suppose you're going to find that because of how long he's been in the music business, and as we know, the, how the music changed just in the eighties, let alone in you the know, time three decades. So yeah. So he was born six weeks premature, and due to the oxygen-rich atmosphere in the hospital incubator, it resulted in retinopathy of prematurity also known as Terry syndrome, which is a condition in which the growth of the eyes is aborted and causes the retinas to detach. So he became blind. So he's literally been blind from birth. His whole life. Ah. Yeah. I did wonder, because I didn't know that. I did wonder how he like, ended yeah. up blind. That's all he does. So, I he's like, really good at like instruments and stuff, considering he's blind. Like He's had no other choice but to be, be like oh, yeah. learn things it's not like he's had to teach himself yeah yeah that's cool. unfortunate but 
Yeah. When uh, he was four, his mother divorced his father and they move and she moved with her three children to Detroit in Michigan, uh, where Wanda sang as a child in the choir at Whitestone Baptist Church. So even at a young age, he was already singing. Yeah. Um, when, when Stevie was signed by Motown in 1961, his surname was legally changed to Morris, which was an old family name, while the record producer Barry Gordy was, was responsible for creating this, the stage name Little Stevie Wonder. So obviously being blind, he thought it was a wonder. So rather than obviously be called, um, so as, he, as I said, he was born Stevland, Judkins. Um, so Stevland obviously became Stevie. Judkins he then changed, as I said, to Morris. But rather than being known as Stevie Morris, yeah. um, they decided on Stevie Wonder. And it was the, um, the Motown founder's idea. And it's obviously, as I say, stuck. Um, the child prodigy, who was at the time of signing for Motown, was only 11. So he was 11 years old when he signed a record deal. We've talked about people that have been out looking for record deals and haven't even gotten. He gets it at 11. 11. You know, it just showed you how, what he was, you know, people saw him. You know, the fact he's blind and what he's achieving, you know, just... Um, but suppose... also, who was it? Musical Youth that had, like, really young... Yeah, yeah. And yes. then, it, so it shows the difference also, because Stevie Wonder, 11, and he's grown up, and it's not affected him in the way that he's gone down the drug route and all of that. Whereas, like, the young ones in Musical Youth some of them ended up dying so it shows that sometimes it's like your work ethic or how big you can be yeah. whether you're a fail or not it, it can show it shows that yes starting from a child could have its bad sides but actually stevie wonders it's, it's done wonders for him yeah so his his first single fingertips in 1963 or one of his first singles um went to number one on both the Billboard Hot 100 and the Billboard R&B chart. Whoa. So he'd have been, what, 13? Yeah. Um, so it made him the youngest artist ever to top the charts. And I bet he still holds that, because there's never any young artists now. Um, no, not that I can think of. Yeah, possibly. Um, Wonder Success was at its peak in the 70s with signed, sealed, delivered I'm Yours, which went to number three in 1970. Superstition went to number one in 1972. You Are the Sunshine of My Life went to number one in 1973. You Haven't Done Nothing went to number one in 1974. I Wish went to number one in 1976. Sir Duke went to number one in 1977. And Send One Your Love was a bit of a failure. I only got to number four in 1979. 
so that's when he was really at his peak and as you can see you know he had pretty much a number one each year between 72 and 77 and the songs that you're listing off i'm like ah they're ones that i do know so you saying that his peak was in the 70s definitely shows because without me like i don't listen to his music like i said but yeah by those titles i'm like oh yeah i do know those so it's lived on isn't it yeah it's like the 80s ones i didn't really have a clue no so although the 70s are seen as wonders a classic period it's the 80s which are seen as his commercial period and i suppose as well the 80s were more commercial yeah because you could that was when things were coming out and you were able to sell yourself through yeah you, you you weren't you weren't necessarily just in your own country yeah. um you had videos that you know you, so everything become more commercial there was more things you could sell you could mm. sell videos cd well cds were later but cassettes yeah. lps um tw- uh, your singles you had seven inches you had 12 inch remixes yeah. you know you had extra play or long play or sorry extended play eps not you know and so everything just changed um so i mean yeah he was more commercial but so was the actual business in a sense as well so it's during the 80s he achieved his biggest hits and highest level of fame he had increased album sales he had a higher profile thanks to collaborations, including with Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. Wonder was also known for his charity participation and his political impact. And he had also numerous appearances on television shows. So in a, in a sense, all round, he was much He just did a bit of everything, didn't bigger. he? Yeah. Has he not got an OBE or like a knighthood? Um, I'll come to that. Oh, okay. So Stevie Wonder is one of the best-selling music artists of all time, with sales of over 100 million records worldwide. He has won 25 Grammy Awards, the most by a solo artist, and one Academy Award, um, also known as an Oscar, for the best original song for the 1984 film The Woman in Red. Wonder has been inducted into the Witham and Blues Music Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, as well as the Songwriters Hall of Fame. And in 2014, he was honoured with the Presidential Medal of Freedom. What does that mean? It's an American. Whatever he wants. Obviously, well, yeah. Like, he's just like free for life like want to kill a guy go for it you got freedom like what does that entail i don't think it quite means that but But, i mean that's what i'm doing in america i mean don't need to be the freedom of that to to do things like that no Um, we'll move on we're going down a rabbit hole here Um, (laughs) no no let's not so yeah so um he is quite a um what's the word you know a a legend you know he he is one of the people you can call a real legend in the music business you know when you talk of the beatles elvis presley 
you know, I suppose Michael Jackson, um, I would say that Stevie Wonder doesn't, isn't out of place amongst those names. So, how did his singles go? And um, how did the two that you thought could be a number one go? I mean, I know I have rubbish memory, but it was only last week that we were talking about Paul McCartney. And I'm pretty sure Ebony and I agree we're number one. Okay. Well, we'll start with 1980s Master Blaster. And that got to number two. Oh, okay. So he comes in strong. Um, it had a long intro, but I feel like it's a very chilled song. You can just chill out to it. Like, yeah. But this is probably one thing that I'll say. You have to be in a certain mood for Stevie. Mm-hmm. Like, you wouldn't just pop it on because you want to listen to music. You'd, you, you need to, like, mellow out to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, next, we have I Ain't Gonna Stand For It, also 1980, number 10. Okay, this one was more upbeat, and it had more to it, I'd say, like different levels. Uh, the only downside to it was that it was a bit repetitive. Okay. Uh, 1981, Lately, number three. Ooh, this one really shows off his vocals. It shows off that talent of being able to sing which not gonna lie i've said this before and it was probably more with the groups i feel like in the 80s you didn't necessarily have to be able to sing okay 1981 happy birthday number two i nearly put that as a number one when you you know um but i love this happy birthday it's just got layer into it like it's not just your standard Happy birthday to you. Like he proper sings about it being a birthday. And then it's just catchy. I use this now. I play this in work when it's a child's birthday. It's a great So um, can you remember the other people that have had a happy birthday that you've listened to? No. Altered images. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. That one. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna do that now. Um, um we're charted better as well. Uh 1982, that girl, number 39. What number 39? What I'm gonna say. <laughs> My favourite. There's a surprise. <laughs> Everything just fits together, like the music, the lyrics, the like the gaps in between where it's just like music filling or a bit of sound. It's just a really nice flowing song. Okay. Um, nineteen eighty-two. Ebony and Ivory. Number one, as you say, with Paul McCartney. Oh, that's right. That's fine. Um, as I said last week, I prefer Stevie's parts. Um, it's just a good musical aspect. They do sound good together, but yeah, Stevie Wonder carries it. Okay. Um, 1982, Do I Do? You said number one as well for this one. 
Yeah. Number 10. Shut up. Number well, 10. So there was four number ones. You've, you said only two, and one of those isn't a number one. But I didn't say I was confident in that, did I? Uh, do I do would have been my favorite if I didn't recognize it and that girl actually like like really stuck with me um but it's simple effective like not there's not much in it but it's just got a bit of everything it's catchy mm-hmm. bit of me okay um 1984 I just called to say I love you. Number one. I was going to put that as a number one, but because I already put do I do, I was like, I can't say he's got three in a row. Damn. There you go. I recognize this one as well, which is why it made me think, oh, it could be up there. Like I say, I've never explored his music, but I know like this song. Um it's a good love song, but it's like a twist on a usual ballad. Like it's a bit, it's got a bit more to it. Uh huh. Okay. Oh, I'm well annoyed at myself. There you go. Um, next we have 1985's Part Time Lover. Did I say that I just, did I say that um, I just called to say I love you was from 1984? Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did, yeah. Uh, 1985, Part Time Lover was in the top 10 was in the top five no it's not a number one was in the top three part-time lover in 1985 got to number three okay i recognize this one as well uh-huh. This one really gets you moving. And again, it's one that shows off his vocals. Like, it, his voice really is something. And yeah, this one is not that one. Okay. Um, next, we have 1986 Overjoyed number 17. And that was following quite a few flops, to be honest. Uh, hence the years suddenly there's not as many songs in the years it's not because he's just not releasing them it's just they they aren't as successful they don't get it yeah um this one was calming nice and chilled out that it yeah there weren't much else to say about it to the to the point dad okay and then 1988 get it with michael jackson was a big flop at number 37 with michael so i didn't you didn't send me it saying featuring michael and i didn't notice that it said anything um with michael jackson when i added it to my playlist i don't think really um i think it might be michael jackson doesn't have anything to do with it as i say it was Um, a flop it was a flop for both you know they were both two big names and it just didn't um but I did hear Michael Jackson, Jackson, and I did write, do I hear MJ? It's catchy. It's a good end to Stevie Wonder, I say. Like, it's got mm-hmm. different levels. It's nice and upbeat. Like, it's a good one. But not going to lie, I don't think there's anything Michael Jackson could do that I wouldn't like. So I think mm-hmm. as soon as I heard him, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a good one. Forget about anything. Okay. So that was Stevie Wonder. So shall we move on to Elvis Costello? Yeah. 
I've gone with some sort of rock. I've not specified. Just, I think he's some sort of rock. Um, his music is blunt. Like, it's simply to the point. Like, he just sings. This is what I'm singing. Have it. Um, and so there weren't much else to say about him. He's not really musician looking. He's a bit nerdy. And he's kind of got like an Elton John thing going on, but not fully. Do you know what I mean? Like, not all the sparkles, just more like his face and the glasses and whatnot. So I don't know if he had any inspo from him or that's just me pushing the boat out. Um, he didn't really have any videos. The only one that stuck out to me was Accidents Will Happen. It was an animation video and I was like, oh, yeah, this is like a peak of the 80s. Like everyone kind of puts a bit of animation into their videos. So, yeah, that was the only one that stuck out. Uh, the only thing I've got is who are the attractions because it comes up so the first couple of songs it's just elvis costello and then the majority of the rest are elvis costello and the attractions like is he a little bit like gary newman and you know like that type of thing so i'm guessing you've got some answers on that because i want to know because why are they not getting credit why okay. is he not in the groups so Elvis Costello was born Declan Patrick McManus. I'm sorry. <laughs> Declan <laughs> Patrick McManus. None of them are similar. So he was born in London, England, and he's been active in the music business since 1970. He's a singer-songwriter and a record producer. Oh, well, sorry, singer-songwriter, guitarist and record producer. Oh, okay. And so his music like is... Yes, his music is new wave, power pop, punk rock. Oh, okay. I mean, that being low in the list suggests that rock isn't really, it's not as rock as I thought, but. Some so, Costello it. began his career as part of London's pub rock scene in the early 1970s, and he was later associated with the first wave of the British punk a new wave movement that emerged in the mid to late 70s. Elvis Costello got his stage name. So sorry, Declan McManus, should I say, got his stage yeah. name, Elvis Costello, from using the first name of Elvis Presley and the surname of his dad's own stage name, Day Costello. Oh, so his dad was something as well. Yeah, his, so his dad, Ross McManus, was a jazz trumpeter known as day costello oh okay and he took his dad's surname from that and elvis presley's first name so he's obviously inspired by elvis presley yes right um so his dad who was a jazz trumpeter and vocalist had a hit in australia with his cover of the beatles the long and winding road as day costello so in 1971, at 16, McManus moved with his mother to Birkenhead, not far from her home city of Liverpool. And McManus formed his first band in Liverpool, a folk duo called Rusty with Alan Mays. Or Hayes, I think it's Mays. In 1974, he moved back to London where he formed Flip City, a pub rock band which lasted until 1976. 
His first broadcast recording was with his father in a TV commercial for R. White's Lemonade. I'm a secret lemonade drinker. R. White's... R. White. I remember it, that's all. <laughs> Which um, aired in 1974 with his father singing the song and Costello singing the backing vocals. The ad won a silver award at the 1974 International Advertising Festival and Costello continued to write songs as he, as he actively looked for a solo recording contract. In 1976, he got signed to an independent label, Stiff Records, who I think we have come across before. Yeah, definitely. On the yeah, back of his demo tape. His manager at Stiff Records, Jake Riviera, suggested that the singer calling himself D.P. Costello at the time, um, used the name Elvis, and thus he became known as Elvis Costello. So he was using his initials, Declan so, Patrick, as D.P., yeah. and obviously by this time he was already taking his dad's stage surname, Day Costello, Costello. But yeah. D.P. Costello, that isn't you know, very catchy, and I suppose it was Declan Costello. So his manager said, why not take Elvis Presley's name, Elvis, Elvis Costello, and that's you know what he's what? now known. Now I know his name's not Elvis. He really doesn't look like an Elvis. Like, he doesn't. Well, in radio, it's not about what you look like. It's about your sound in music, should I say. Yeah, that's true. Um, so in 1977, Costello formed his own backing band, The Attractions who consisted of Steve Neve on piano, Bruce Thomas on bass guitar, and Pete Thomas on drums. Note that Bruce and Pete are not related. Because I did look them up. Because I thought, oh, he's got two brothers, and they're not. Yeah. In December 1977, Costello and the Attractions replaced the Sex Pistols on Saturday Night Live, playing Less Than Zero. However, mid intro into or oh, sorry, mid intro, Costello yelled stop stop to his band and they played Radio Radio instead, which was a song criticizing the commercialization of the airwaves, which NBC had forbidden them to play, and subsequently Costello was banned from the show and Costello received considerable attention with his insistence on performing Radio Radio on the Saturday Night Live, helping his debut album, My Aim Is True, as its popularity in the US exploded following the performance and obviously, I suppose, all the um, backlash or, you know, what was said about it. So, yes. So he... Um, he uh, gained a lot of respect from the public um but not so much yeah. obviously from those behind the tv companies and what have you yeah risky yeah well yeah very it could have you know could have finished him yeah. in 1977 in the uk his fourth single watching the detectives out, his single, Watching the Detectives, off the album My Aim Is True, which is this album that obviously Radio Radio and that was, well, was he was helping 
um, gave him his first top 40 hit in the UK when it peaked at number 15. Okay, so he's made it over. In 19, well, he's from oh, over here anyway, but he, okay. he um, for whatever reason, he uh, was a bit did better over in America to begin with. Yeah, well, yeah. In 1978, he released his second album, This Year's Model, and saw three of its singles reach the top 40. I Don't Want to Go to Chelsea, got to number 16, Pump It Up, reached number 24, while controversial single Radio Radio, so it wasn't even on the first album, it was on the second album, peaked at number 29. I mean, that's not bad going. In 1979, his third studio album, Armed Forces, saw two singles released with Oliver's Army becoming his most successful single to date. I won't say where it came because I've uh, obviously given you it, but it was outside the 80s. Yeah. But I gave you it because I, I like it and I thought you should listen okay. to it. Um, so that's not an 80s No, it's 1979. While follow-up single, Accidents Will Happen, reached, also I've given you that one, so I won't tell you, but again, that's from 1979. I thought you were going to say <laughs> that then. Was like, oh. So both of those two are from 1979, and off his third album. Right, okay. So why the album reached number two on the UK album chart? So the album done really well on the back of it. Album. Well, so we can now come into the 80s. So in 1980, his fourth album, Get Happy, reached number two on the UK album chart. And a further seven albums were released during the 80s, with six of them making the top 10 of the UK album chart. Which isn't bad, really. When you think of the, no, the, that's the not bad. you know, the, the, the um, spectrum of music that was around and the fact that he was still keeping in there mm, with his albums. Like you've got to fight them off. Yeah. During yeah. the 90s, Costello released another six albums, with 1994's Brutal Youth reaching number two. So, um, when you think he's really been around since the 60s, there, he? like, and he he's having a number that. two album in the 90s. Mm, he's not yeah. messing. Has he, like, moved with the genres, or is this, like, him... Uh. But I guess, like, if you've got some, like, rock yeah. in there, it doesn't, yeah, like, it's, it's a yeah. founded yeah. genre and it. it's always going to be there. So if that's, if he stayed along those yeah. lines, he doesn't have to change no. it up, does he? So, sorry, I said he's been around since the 60s. He's in the music business in the 70s. But still, he's, you know, beginning of the 70s, then the whole of the 80s, like, like, yeah. and there he is in 1994 getting an album at number two. So... Madness. So between 1977 and 2022, Costello has recorded and released 33 studio albums, with 12 making the top 10 of the UK album chart, including The Boy Named If, which was released in 2022 and reached number 6 on the album chart. 15 years after his debut album. Still going. And still having big, well, not obviously not singles, but albums. So, yes. Who? His fan. 
He's obviously got a because very loyal like, big like, fan yeah, list. He's obviously got very yeah. So Elvis Costello's last top forty single was "She" in 1999. So even even nearly that got in you know into the 2000s and singles. So from which was from the Notting Hill film soundtrack, um, which was a cover of Charles Asnavour's Asnavour's. 1974 single which reached number one originally with costello's version peaking at number 19 25 years later but the fact that it's linked to a yeah film yeah yeah and as i say it's a cover but didn't do as well as the original anyway if you've watched not anil you'll know the song I've not watched Not in Hill, you know. It's a it's a film that I've always really watched. Really, not seen Not in Hill. Oh. Yeah, I know. Well, you wouldn't know no, that song. It then. shocks me as well. No, but it shocks me as well because Not in Hill's right yeah. on my street. And I've just so Costello's original backing band, the American West Coast act Clover, which tells you he must have been based in America for for a time to even have his backing band as, as a, yeah. uh, from America. But yeah, Clover would later yeah. go on to be part of Huey Lewis and the News and the Doobie Brothers. Okay. So some of the some of them went on okay. to be Huey Lewis News, of which one of them was Huey Lewis. Yeah. So Huey Lewis oh, used okay. to be in Elvis Costello's backing band with Clover. And I think we did touch on that when we went through both of those bands. Probably. And then some of the others went to Doobie Brothers. So, yes. So... Right. Elvis Costello, his songs, as I said, the first two are 1979, so we'll do them first, obviously. Oliver's Army, number two. That was my favourite. So I really yeah, got like, it. That's why I gave you it. That's why I gave you it. I like I it. I really got it. I thought I was just outside. And, yeah, that was my favourite. Yeah. You just can't help but join in. Like, legit, from the first few words, I was like, I like you. You're good. And then like, I listened to all the others, um, like, because in my car, I was like, oh, I like this. Listen to all the others. And then when I was like writing my notes and came back to it, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember you. Straight away, I was like, yeah, you're my favourite because I don't really remember any of the others. And, yeah, I stuck by it. And then also 1979, Accidents Will Happen, number 28. This is one where I'm like, his music is to the point. Like, this is to the point, and it's quite relatable because it is literally what it says in the title, all about how accidents will just happen. 1980, I Can't Stand Up for Falling Down, number four. It's catchy, quite repetitive. The only thing is, it just doesn't seem authentic enough. Like, it's it's, it's had a lot of work done, I uh-huh. think. Nineteen eighty, still high fidelity, number thirty. Okay, this one was quite short. Not much content. It felt like a bit of a shift in the genre. Like it didn't really fit with the previous ones. Okay. Nineteen eighty, still New Amsterdam, number thirty-six. Mm, yeah, I agree. Although I do like the randomness of it. Um, it is quite catchy, like, and you can't help, like, when I was listening to it, I was like, you really can't help but just listen to the lyrics. He's literally singing about Amsterdam. 
it's just so random. Okay. But I like it. And then we've got 1981, A Good Year for Roses, number six. Okay, this was much slower. Um, and I liked it about it. It gave him a bit of variety. And this one shows that he really can sing. I did like the vocals. Okay. 1983, Every Day I Wipe the Book, number 28. Okay. I right, See, I think this one should have been higher. It's got a good concept, like, in the lyrics. Like, I like a... I like a song where when you listen to the lyrics, you really feel part of the song or it's relatable or it really tells a story. And this is one of those. And it's quite chilled out. So I kind of get why it probably didn't hit as high. But, yeah, I enjoyed that okay. one. Uh, 1984. And this is a double A side, double uh, A release. Okay. I Want to Be Loved and Turn in the Town Red. Got to number 25. Okay, I feel like I want to be loved. Nah, that wouldn't have sold the records. It's a bit of an in the background. It's got a nice jazz sound to it, though. And I know we weren't jazz, but it's got something, something in there. And turning the town red, upbeat from the first note. Like, it's quick, it's catchy, and it's one that really builds up to the chorus. I feel like that one would have been the one that sold the records. Mm -hmm. 1986, Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood, number 33. Okay, this one sounds nothing like the others. Love his vocals, but even they're nothing like the others. And I was legit, I've written, is this when he's older? As it sounds nothing like his other stuff. And like I listened to this twice when I was writing my notes because I remember listening to it in the car thinking have I like put you know like when they redo their songs like because they've gone to like what's his name Steve Winwood last week how he went to the coronation and so you hear his songs but it's as he's older kind of thing I thought it was one of those so I listened to it twice on YouTube just to make sure that it worked, but yeah, his vocals are completely different. And then, but in a good uh -huh. way. And in 1989, Veronica, number 31. Okay, this one had a good beat and it picked up as it went on. Like it was one of those build up ones. So obviously, I mentioned that she was his last top 40. Um, he actually did have another one in 1994. Uh, that got to number 22, and that was Sulky Girl. So pretty much the 80s were, or 70s stroke 80s were his, um, I'd, say, I'd probably more say the, the 80s, the late, the, you know, those two songs you had at the beginning from 79, and then the 80s was yeah. was the Elvis Costello, pretty much. So yes. Okay. Moving on to Eddie Grant. Yeah, so I've gone straight in there with reggae. If he's not reggae, then I have no bloody idea. Because um, I feel like this is proper reggae. Like I, And the only reason I doubt myself is because I didn't know that reggae was, like, really in the 80s, like, as, like, charting in the 80s. I thought it was still a bit, you know, not underground, because that's the wrong word for it. But, you know, like, it weren't commercial. Um the one thing that Eddie Grant's got is, I can't explain it, right? But in some of his songs, it's like got 
an electric side to it so it's like it's got the 80s in there if you know what i mean like it's not just your pure reggae it's got a little bit of a hint yeah look i'm in the 80s here's my little electric sound but not in all of his songs but it gives him just like a little bit of distinctness or his own little twist on it um there's no videos really when i did see him it was like what like he was just outside on a beach or he was always abroad um and he just looks quite young so eddie grant who is from placence in british guinea guiana sorry which is now just known as guyana um, and he's been active in the music business since 1965. Now, these guys have been around a long time. So, he is known for reggae rock, pop, electro pop, funk, disco, and soul. Okay. See, so his hits are definitely more reggae. Yeah. Like, I didn't really get any other feelings from them. Okay, so Eddie Grant is a singer, songwriter and multi-instrumentalist as he plays guitar, bass, drums and keyboards. Oh, wow. In 1965, Grant formed The Equals, one of the UK's first racially mixed pop groups who are best remembered for their million-selling UK chart topper, the Grant-written Baby Comeback in 1968 which also reached number one in 1994 when covered by pato banton featuring robin and ali campbell of ub40 baby come back baby come back i weren't a big ub40 fan though well that wasn't ub40 that was pato banton featuring Uh Ali and um, Robin, the brothers, from UB40. It was big. It was a number one, but Eddie Grant wrote it. Uh, So Grant is also seen as a pioneer for the genre of wing-bang music, which is a Caribbean fusion of music. So he brought the sound of the Caribbean to the UK. Or he's seen as being one, I suppose, along with like Bob Marley and what have you. But while Bob Marley was big, he probably wasn't as big outside of the uh, Caribbean, whereas Eddie Grant... Well, I don't think he'd had any... Well, I say that. I don't know how many hits he'd had over here. I mean, he was big, obviously, but um, I don't know if he... How big he was? I don't know. It's before my time. But Eddie Grant... Massive because why do we know so much about then, then I suppose I'm getting muddled up because I'm not sure what ring bang is compared to reggae music. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. On that score, I should have looked up ring bang to see what it was. All I know is it's a fusion of music from the Caribbean. But a fusion of music could be anything put together, so so in September 1969, the five members of Equals were involved in a motorway car accident in Germany. 
Grant was the most severely injured and as a result he left the group, although he continued to write songs for them. And then in January 1971, Grant suffered a collapsed lung and heart infection, following which he returned to Guyana and started his solo career. This was now 1975. So, yes, so he went, I suppose he sort of... He went. Not fell out, but I suppose when you've had you've had an accident, then you've had a collapsed lung and what have you, and so you know you just want to go back to your family, I suppose. Yeah. So it was during his solo career in the eighties that Grant had his most success with hits "I Don't Want to Dance," "Electric Avenue," and "Give Me Hope, Joanna." "Give Me Hope, Joanna" was banned in South Africa. Um. And by the late 80s, Grant pursued other business interests, including music publishing and owning a nightclub. As well as building up the success of his Blue Wave studio, which was used by the Rolling Stones, Sting, Cliff Richard and Elvis Costello, which was located in Barbados. So I don't know if it's a studio that was the reason that people used it or the location in the nice sun-kissed Barbados, you know, I mean, hard, hard, hard pull that one. Probably a bit of both. So um, Grant has recorded 15 solo albums between 1975 and 2017, although only two made the album chart. So 1981's Can't Get Enough got to number 39 and 1982's Killer on the Rampage got to number seven. His greatest hits album, meanwhile, made number three in 2001. Oh, so we weren't really that big no. over here. No. Well. Not with his albums, anyway. No, not his albums. So, Eddie Grant, let's see how big he was. 1979, he released Living on the Front Line, and that got to number 11. And it was re-released in 1983, but this time only got to number 47. Oh, okay. Well, it weren't what I was expecting. And this first one, I was like, what type of music is this? Because it came in with some electronic beats. And I was like, eh? And it's just like just one tone throughout. And I didn't get much about him from it. Like, I was just kind of like a bit baffled as to what type of genre he could be. But, yeah. Okay. Right. 1980, Do You Feel My Love, got to number eight. Okay, so this one's a bit too quiet for me. Like, you know when the music drowns out the vocals? This did that. I do like the chorus, though, that um, pulls you in, and it has got a good beat. I just wish the vocals were a bit louder. Okay. 1981, Can't Get Enough of You, number 13. Okay, again... This is another one where the music overtakes and I feel like that might, like, at this point I was like, okay, maybe that's his thing. Maybe he's not, like, the best of singers and he relies on his music. And, like, it is good music. Like, it is very catchy and it draws you in. Um, And I think that's the thing with, like, reggae. Like, it's a lot of, like, the music rather than, like, the vocals and the lyrics. And, yeah, that was one of them. Then we've got... 1981, I Love You, Yes, I Love You, number 37. This one drew me in. I would expect it to be higher than 37, 
you can't help but move to it. Like it's got really good music. So I really like that. Okay. 1982. I don't want to dance. Dance with my baby no more. Number one. Number one. It's my favourite. Yeah. It goes straight into it. Like from the first note, I was like, yeah. Yeah, keep going. Like you can really vibe with it. Like it's got some good feels. It's It's got the best beat out of everything. Okay. Yeah. There you go. And what I was going to say, Dad, is it's a good job you're not the best singer that we're never going to get done for copyright when you sing. <laughs> <laughs> 1983, my favourite, Electric Avenue, number two. Right, this is a banger, but could recognise it. Obviously, I like to find a favourite that isn't one that I already know. So when I was playing this one, I was like, oh, I love this. Didn't have a clue who sung it. Did Not going to lie, when it played, I was like, I forgot I even knew this song. Like, I forgot this song even was a song that existed. Um, but yeah. It's catchy. And it's the one with the most 80s feel, I want to say. And it's probably because it's like Electric Avenue. Like it's obviously electric and all that. But yeah, it's yeah, that's a really good one. It would have been my favourite. Okay. And then 1988, Give Me Hope, Joanna. Give Me Hope, Joanna. Number seven. I retract my statement, though. Electric, I've just like because of this one, I've just remembered the tune of it and then saw what I wrote. This would be my favorite. I prefer this one over Electric Avenue. Uh, I do like Electric Avenue, it is good, but this one is better. This one's better, yeah. Didn't I recognize better. this one as well? Uh, no, it didn't. But you must have, my did you recognize the last three? I mean, there is three big. I ones, didn't. You must. Have. I didn't recognize. I don't want to dance. Oh. I didn't recognize. It. Hence why it's my favorite because I didn't recognize it. Uh-huh. So I pick one. That obviously, I don't recognize. Yeah. I only recognize the last two. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Well, we'll move on to the other grants, not related. This is yeah. David Grant. Mm. And do you know what? They are completely two different grants, aren't they? I can't put my finger on a genre with this one. Okay. But he's definitely got that 80s feel. Um, some of the songs are a bit rushed, and I don't know if it's just like a fast-paced feel to the song, but I don't know. Some of them feel just a bit unfinished. Like I don't know. I can't, I can't explain it. Um. He's very 80s, like with his sweatbands. There's no videos other than the first one. But even his first one, he's just like, it's just a focus on him and he's wearing his sweatband. And then all of his, like the theme on his artwork is always like his jacket and his sweatband are the same colour. So, yeah. Um, I feel like he's got a bit of Michael Jackson inspo. Just the way that he sings a bit, I think. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So, David Grant is from Kingston, Jamaica. Um, Oh, okay. So, another one from the West Indies. He's from Jamaica. Whereas, um, well, I say West Indies. Is Guyana West? I think it is. I think it is classed as West Indies. Might be classed as South America. You're better at geography. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, he's um, from Kingston, Jamaica, and he's been active in the music business since 1980. Okay, so he's not as been no. not been around as long. Um, he's a singer and a vocal coach. Oh, that's a bit different, yes. isn't it? So, um, and again, yeah, with with David Grant, there is no genre being given. So, oh, so me not being able to put my yeah, anyway. he obviously doesn't really have one. Um, but he hasn't had he many songs or hits either, so you know, to kind of narrow it yeah. down. So Grant became famous in the early eighties um, as a member of the soul funk duo Lynx, who we have discussed. Mm. Um, whose biggest hit was in Intuition in nineteen eighty one. Grant began his solo career in nineteen eighty three but is more known for his duets with Jackie Graham. He has also worked as a session singer for artists, including Diana Ross, Rick Astley and the Lighthouse family. Grant became more known for his work as a vocal coach alongside his wife Carrie Grant on the TV shows Pop Idol and Fame Academy. Oh. And he has also worked with some of the UK's biggest pop acts, including the Spice Girls, Take That, S Club, Will Young, Atomic Kitten, Lamar, Charlotte Church and Joss Stone. So he's done vocal coaching with all of those. And um, so is, he, is he like over here doing that? Yeah. yeah. Like, was he on Pop Idol over here? Yes, yes. I think he is based over here, and I think his wife, Carrie, is English. Why do I recognise the name Carrie Grant? Is she big? Yeah, she's a vocal coach. She's, she's, yeah, but oh, I like recognise her. She's got, like, red hair. She, well, whenever I see her, she has red hair and that, but I think she's quite out here sort of thing. Recognise her? Yeah. Yeah, I recognise her. Uh -huh. So, yeah. Not who I thought it would be, but yeah, I recognise her. Um, and Grant was awarded an MBE in 2019. So although he hasn't done much, he's got an MBE. Oh. Yes. Hey. So there we are. Um, and that might be due because him and Carrie, they run a um, Christian church plant in their home. What's one of them? I don't know. I'm just letting you know what they do. They're both Christian okay. and run a church plant in their home. Okay. So, yeah. So, David Grant, that, that's it. There's not much to say about him. Um, but as far as his songs go, 1983, Stop and Go, got to number 19. Okay. Vocals were a bit off. I can't really tell what he's singing either. Like, yeah, it's just... Not, not much going on. 1983, Watching You, Watching Me, got to number 10. That was my favourite. Fast pace, chorus really saves it, and I like the sounds that are in it, like all the instruments put together. Okay, 1983, Love Will Find A Way, number 24. Slower, calm. It shows off his vocals. Now, considering I said vocals are a bit off a stop and go, this one... Like, Considering he's a vocal coach. 
Yeah, I mean, um, he really tried. Nah, but do you know what? Actually, thinking about it, him being a vocal coach, he's not the best of singers. Like, he's not. Like, he really tries to hit the high notes in Love Will Find a Way, and it's not, I'm not really feeling it. Yeah. 1985, could it be I'm falling in love with. Jackie Graham got to number five. Okay, so this is a change from his usual stuff, but I say that he's not got a genre, so his usual stuff ain't really anything anyway. Um, very quiet, but their vocals go well together. And then 1985, Mated, also with Jackie Graham, reached number 20. So I prefer this one over the oh, other one. I do as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, I put that this is a swaying song, right, before I watched the video for it. And to be honest, I only watched um, oh, Top of the Pops I watched, and it legit, they are just all there swaying to it. Like, even Jackie Graham and David Grant, they're just swaying. They seem like they've got chemistry, though. What, Jackie Graham? Jack- yeah. Yeah. Like, they work well together. Uh-huh. Okay, so we're down to the last two artists, and we've still got a number one to find. Is it going to be Boy George, or is it going to be Marilyn? It's got to be Boy George. I'll be surprised if it's Marilyn. I will be surprised if it being Boy George, because you'll find out why. Which song would you think if it's Boy George, and which if it's Marilyn? Let's have a look. Um, keep me in my mm, everything I own by Boy George and call in your name. Okay, so Boy George, who we've already spoke about at Culture Club. Culture Club, who I love. I really like Boy George. And he was recently in the jungle. And I loved him even more then. I just think he's great. He don't care. He was very controversial going into that jungle and not many people did like him. But I was like, I like you. Like, oh, I just think he's great. Like, he, he doesn't care. He is who he is. And you either like it or lump it. Um, I've gone with Pop. Uh, he do you know what I like about him? He's not trying to make money off the band, he's just himself, and he like whatever happened with Culture Club happened. I I don't know why he went single, uh, why he went solo, so I want to find that out. Um, I mean, I think as a soloist, he calmed down a bit, or maybe it was just maybe it's just because. Especially like when I see him now, he's calmed down. Like he's not as eccentric, but maybe it's because he came out of the eighties, so it weren't really wrapped up like the eighties when like, it was the new romantics and stuff. They were very out there, um, and he's probably more like he's more accepted in his sexuality now than what he would have been back then. But yeah, I think he's calmed down. Um, video wise, to be reborn. A lovely video, like it's like flipping for a photo album. It's just really nicely done. Okay, 
So, born George Allen O'Dowd in Barnhurst, Kent. He's been active in the music business since 1979. Um, he is pop, new wave, soul, reggae and disco. No, he is not. Yeah. No, he is not. Shut up. He is Don't professionally known as Boy George. He was formerly in Bow Wow Wow before forming the successful Culture Club, where he had many hits, including two number ones, which obviously you can tell me what they were from when we spoke about them, because you'd know. Nope. 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 Come so, chameleon. Do You Really Want to Hurt Me in 1982 and Karma Chameleon in 1983. Got Karma Chameleon. So Boy Joe George went solo in 1987, following Culture Club's disbanding in 1986. Um, Why did they disband again? Um, I think there was a falling out. Right, okay. Um, well, I'll, I'll put it remember. here. So following Culture Club's disbanding in 1986, following the release of their fourth album and Boy George's drug addiction, which was blamed for his underwhelming performance on the album and soured the relationships within the band. Uh, yes, I do remember now. I remember and I was like, why did? Because I really like Culture Club, don't I? And he was like, in a relationship with one of them, but which they didn't let on and yeah, and yeah, sort of got a bit, uh, bit nasty and what yeah. have you. So, yeah, it just all okay. went. And so he... Yeah. So obviously, I'm guessing he just said, I'm going to go solo. So as a soloist, George had mediocre success between 1987 and 1995. Boy George even began recording under the name Angel Angela Dust for his new band, Jesus hey. Loves You, where he had two top 40 hits with Bow Down Mister at number 27 in 1991 and Generations of Love at number 35 also in 1991. And obviously Angela Dust come from Angel Dust, mm -hmm. which is a um, drug. Um, mm -hmm. In 1989 at the Brit Awards, Andy Bell of Erasure in accepting his award for Best British Group kissed boy george who was handing him the brit award to cheers from the crowd oh yes because that would have been one of you know 1989 two men kissing on the telly would yeah. have been you know or in a big you know, thing like the brit awards would have been big, big news back yeah then. but that's what i mean by when i say he's calmed down yeah. and i think it's because back then it was not taboo but kind of taboo to be yeah. gay or like wearing makeup as a man whereas now it's like you wouldn't look or think twice well a lot of men when they you know when they saw him on top of say that's a woman that's a bloke why is you know it's very yeah yeah um yeah so in 2015 boy george won an Ivor novello award for outstanding contribution to music and in 2018, he won an Attitude Award for Music Icon. Attitude was a British gay magazine. So he obviously, when he's winning that as a music icon, that's a music icon, I would say, for the gays. Yeah, yeah. In 2022, Boy George was a contestant on the UK series, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, where he finished. Can you remember? 
He didn't do that very well because he. How many's in it? Twelve. There he did. Twelve. Yeah, he finished eighth. Yeah, I was going to say he was out quite early, like to the point where I can't remember him anywhere near the final. Yeah. So Boy George's last top 40 single came in 1992 with The Crying Game, which was produced by the Pet Shop Boys. Mm-hmm. So, Boy George, 1987, Everything I Own, number one. Uh, I think that is in the back. It's his first single on the back of Culture Club. Yep. And I did, you know, I said I've played it safe. I nearly did say everything I own because I was thinking along the lines of it's his first one. Um, But then obviously I didn't know whether that would have been his first one that he released. Mm. Like he could have had some flops before it. I didn't know. But going off that being the first hit I've got, I thought that's going to be off the back of him just leaving. He's got the culture club following. They're going to just go out and buy it. So, yeah, it makes sense. But do you know what? I rate it. It's a pure stripped back, shows off his vocals, like very, like it takes him away from culture club. I liked it. Well, my favourite though, but I liked it. Okay. 1987, Keep Me In Mind. Number 29. See, now this was my favourite. It's a beautiful song, lyrics and vocals. Like, it's got a bit of everything. Like the music's good. Like I, I don't know if you, you noticed, but when you asked me which boy George you think I would put as, my fair, as a number one, I nearly said that. Then I changed my mind because I remembered that one would have been the thing. But yeah, like I, I think that's a really good song. Okay. I was higher. 1987 again, sold, number 24, so higher than Keep Me In Mind. Do you know, this was um, a close, like, it's a good up there song. It's got a bit of rapping in it. Something a bit different, and it really builds up to the chorus, which I like. Okay. Also 1987, To Be Reborn, number 13, so also higher than Keep Me In Mind. This was one of his worst. It doesn't really suit him. Too slow. It's not him at all. And then 1992, the Pet Shop Boys produced The Crying Game. And that got to number 22, which was also higher than Keep Me In Mind. The Crying Game is like just an in the background song. It's too slow for me. Like it's Again, it's not really him. But I guess when I say it's not really him, it's not what he was in Culture Club. Okay, and just on the back of Pet Shop Boys, I just want to say I saw them in concert and they're still as good as they are. I saw them in Brighton on their dream, dream world, world, oh, I can't think what it's called, Dan, dreamland, dream world, can't remember, something like that. Um, that good. No, the, the concert was, I just can't remember what it was, the name of the concert was. They've even got a song by the same name, but I can't remember. Um, I no, the concert was really get- good. We should get, well, I should get a petition going to be taken to some of these concerts. I think I deserve to. But with you living up north and me living down south, it's a bit, you know, and um, yeah. it's a bit expensive because they're not cheap. And um, But it was in, it was good because the problem is it was in Brighton, so we, had, we made a weekend of it. 
and um yeah, no they were they were fair. really really good really good and um this weekend has been blur which are a 90s band but a 90s band i really liked and they've been yeah. rocking it from what i've seen at wembley so um bit bit um, yeah, annoyed that I didn't get, some, yeah. get some tickets for that because um the atmosphere looks amazing i have to say but they are a good i would say like a an arena stadium band yeah um, okay yeah like good performers yeah yeah definitely have um, you seen them before no 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 oh, okay um so moving on to marilyn yeah, so I went for New Romantics, Rock, Synth Pop. Um, very 80s. I think this is the most 80s soloist I've had this week. Uh, got good vocals. Very pretty, like, looking. Um, they're not scared to impress, like, he's not scared to impress himself. And I feel like he might have been one of the first to really break that mould in, like, the... I don't know whether he is trans or just... Like, like, oh, okay, maybe not trans, but you know, like, like dressing up in drag. I don't know, but he's definitely not breaking the um barrier wall, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I suppose when you say that, I think Boy George was probably the first to, uh, yeah, but I don't know. Oh, yeah, because Culture Club would have been, yeah. but then I don't know where he came in the yeah, timeline. Well, so I will, he could I will tell you. So, Marilyn, born Peter Robinson in kingston jamaica so another one from jamaica um he's been active since 1983 and he's a new wave pop i'm way off (laughs) so robinson was born in jamaica however at the age of five he moved with his mother to borwinwood london and as a boy robinson loved marilyn monroe's image and marilyn became his school nickname Robinson has later stated it became his nickname from homophobic bullies at school who bullied him for being feminine. People are horrible. Drives me insane. So Robinson was a regular at the Blitz nightclub, which obviously we have spoke about, as it was a big um, thing from the 80s, Um, or the beginning of the the 80s and new romantics and that. Um, So it was... He was one of the label labelled a blitz kid with numerous other regulars who went on to become pop stars like Steve Strange, the owner, who obviously um, was in Visage. Um, the Spandau Ballet members. Um, and it was also during this time that Robinson, now known as Marilyn, met Boy George prior to him forming Culture Club. And the pair would later share a squat together. Okay. So while Boy George went on to form Culture Club and join the other regulars of Bits Club, who went on to carve out a pop career, Marilyn was still trying to gain a recording contract and even relocated to LA, Los Angeles, for a short time. Oh, so he really struggled. Yeah. However, following Culture Club's commercial impact, Record companies started looking for other artists with a similar cross-dressing image. So in 1983, following a high-profile appearance in Eurythmics promo video for Who's That Girl, Robinson signed a contract, sorry, a recording contract with 
phonogram records. It's mad. So like that he was squatting with Boy George, Boy George. and it was Boy, Boy George's Boy George then, then because of his image yeah. helped him. But I was gonna say, like I was gonna interrupt you and I held back. But I was gonna be like, if he was squatting with Boy George and Boy George made it big first, did Boy George not then help him out? But like he did in a yeah. non-direct way, yeah. like he didn't literally hand it to him on a plate. Right. So Marilyn's first chart success came in late 1983 with his debut single, Call In Your Name, which reached the top five in Australia and number one in Japan. What a random place. Yes. In late, late 1984, Marilyn took part in the Band Aid charity single, Do They Know It's Christmas? And in early 1985, Marilyn was forced to give up his London home due to financial difficulties. So Aww. Phonogram Records sent him to Detroit, Michigan to work with produced with producer Don Was. While in America, Marilyn cut his trademark long blonde hair and ceased using makeup, thus abandoning no. his image that had bought him his initial success. No. He really suits it. So after spending a, a week recording new material with Woz, Marilyn was scheduled to perform live for the first time at New York's area nightclub. The performance was intended to be filmed for use in the promo video for his new single, Baby You Left Me. However, the film crew were delayed. And although Marilyn proceeded to go on stage, the performance was ruined by technical problems with the club's PA system. So midway through his first song, Marilyn abandoned the performance. So in June 1985, Marilyn eventually released his debut album, Despite Straight Lines, which included his three earlier top 40 hits singles. And the album was a flop only charting in australia and by the time robinson's drug by this time robinson's drug addiction and highly publicized dispute with boy george had damaged his public image with both his singles baby you left me and pray for that sunshine being unsuccessful only reaching the top 40 in australia by 1989, Robinson had signed with the Interbeat label, although no new recording surfaced and Marilyn dropped out of the public eye for the next decade and abandoned his music career. Robinson reappeared in 1999 when interviewed for Channel 4 programme Top 10 New Romantics, although he himself was not listed. In 2000, he attempted to relaunch his music career with a cover version of Dennis Brown's song How Could I Live for, for Desilu Records, based in Jamaica, obviously where he was originally from. However, following disagreements with the label, Robinson refused to let the single be released. In 2015, Robinson appeared on an episode of Celebrity Gogglebox as part of Channel 4's Stand Up to Cancer. And in 1995, 
Boy George wrote in his autobiography, Take It Like a Man, that in the 1980s, Robinson had a relationship with Bush singer Gavin Rosdale. In a 1996 interview, Rosdale told Rolling Stone magazine, Boy George doesn't even know me. I hope he manages to sell some books by putting my name in there, as I know there's a, a queue of people going to lawyers about stuff in his book, which isn't true. However, in 2003, Marilyn dedicated the Marilyn CD, Hold On Tight, to Rosdale, citing the years of our passionate relationship and featured a photo of them together on the cover. Later, yeah, later both spoke candidly about their relationship, with Robinson confirming in 2009 that they had been together for five years in the 1980s, while in 2010, Rosdale said the relationship with Robinson was an experiment and part of growing up. Robinson said that Robinson, as in Marilyn, said Gavin and Gwen Stefani are perfect for each other following their marriage, but he was the love of my life. Wadsdale and Stefani went on to have three sons, but divorced in 2016. So I think oh, he I was a judge as well on The Voice, the same as Boy George. I, yeah, I recognise. Now, as soon as you said Gwen, Gwen Stefani, I was like, oh, yeah, I can picture him. Yeah. Husband. Yeah. So, Marilyn. Drama. 1984. I feel like, sorry, I feel like you don't want to get on the wrong side of Boy George either. Oh, no, yeah. But he was right. Uh, they both called, he called him a liar and said, he yeah. And he, yeah. they since admitted it was true, so. Uh, so Marilyn, 1984, Calling Your Name, got to number four. This was my favourite. Straight in with electric feels. Can't help but join in. It really gets you moving. I feel like it's really 80s. But I said he's like the most 80s that I've had this week as well. Okay. 1984, Cry and Be Free, number 31. This is the complete opposite. But it's good, like it sends chills down my spine, like just the way the way it is, like it, it just it does something to you, and you're there, like what, like I don't know, because it's completely different as well, and it it's slower, but the way that it's done, it's not boring slow, but it still gets you with it. And then 1984 again, you don't love me, number forty. Okay, this one weren't too bad. It was just like a standard 80s, upbeat, catchy. Um, kind of could blend in with the rest, I'd say. Uh -huh. Okay, so that is it for this week. All I need to know now is, did I or didn't I influence you? Hit or miss? Yep. Stevie so Wonder. Well, you've not done good with the big ones of the week so far. No. Uh, no. So, Stevie Wonder was a hit. Ooh. He's changing it. I like him. 
he's got some good ones. And do you know what? Especially like talking to you today, like, and you list in the 70s lot. I'm like, yeah, because now I remember them. He's definitely a hit. Like, I like him even more because I, re- like, I can put two and two together that he sang these other ones that I know. Yeah. Elvis Costello. Uh, he's a miss. He just weren't. He weren't it. Needed more Oliver's Army songs. Yeah, if they were all like that. Yeah, Because I did, I did think to myself, I was like, oh, but I do like the songs. But then I'm like, I don't like the others enough to mm. go out and have a look. But if they were all that vibe of Oliver's Army and accidents can happen, or accidents will happen, then I'd think he'd be a no-brainer. Yeah. Eddie Grant. Right. So I'm on the fence, right? So if we're looking at it as just me, I think he's more of a miss. But looking at it as to whether Eddie Grant can hit it with people my age, from like him being from the 80s, whether he'd still be a hit now, he's a hit. Reggae's just not as much my vibe. But he's got some good songs. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he had. I gave you seven singles. Yeah. So really, if you like four of them, it's a hit. If you don't, it's a miss. Yeah. And surely you like I Don't Want to Dance, Electric Avenue and Give Me Hope, Joanna. Yeah. So it I all like depends it. on was there another yeah. one that stood out? No, no. No, there is more than one that I do like. It, I think it's just because he, okay, yeah, he's a hit, a hit, he's a hit. I think it's just because as much as I do like a bit of reggae every now and then, it's not my vibe that I would go out and really pursue getting into that. But looking at his songs individually, I do like him and I would probably go back. So, yeah, nah, hit. Okay. And I also think that he would hit it with other people my age mm-hmm. so it's like thinking of not just me i think he'd do well anyway david grant whereas he's a miss and i don't have to think about that one <laughs> i mean he doesn't even have a genre to his name that's how a bit weird bit odd it all is yeah and now he's a vocal coach i don't actually know as i think back to what his song sounds <laughs> like wow. moving on to boy george Right, so this is another on-the-fence one because I really like Culture Club. But him as a soloist. I'm going to have to go miss, you know. I would as well. I'm not a fan of his as a soloist. I don't think he should have done it. No. And I don't think, like, it, I mean, it, it, and it didn't blow up for him. Like, no. he weren't that. He had a number I, one, which was probably his first, which was his first single on the back of Culture Club. The rest yeah. were flopped. Didn't yeah. have a top ten. But yet. also... So I really like Boy George in how he's outspoken and he's just true to himself. I think as a soloist, he's better as a personality rather than an actual singer. Do you know what I mean? Like him breaking away from Culture Club, he is Boy George on his own, but he doesn't need the music side of it. Yeah. Yeah. So miss. And then Marilyn. They're a hit. I like him. Mm -hmm. I like him. I like that bit of music that he's got as well. Okay. So, three hits, three misses. I'll take that. 
I don't think the soloists are doing as well as the groups, you know. Not going to lie. Okay. So. Go on. Next Never week. You have got four series four episode six. Yeah. You've only got five people. How many songs have I got? Well, that's the thing. You've got thirty songs. Not bad. Because you've got a big, 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 big player. Have I got so Michael Jackson? Don't know if you've heard of him. I think this will be my favourite week ever. Jermaine Jackson. His brother, isn't it? Eric Carmen. No. Peter Satira. No. And. Angry Anderson. No, never heard of any of them. Jermaine Jackson is his brother in it. Yeah. I don't care. Just I'll listen to Michael Jackson all week. Can we just do an episode just purely Michael Jackson? I feel well, like it is. It really much is. To be honest, I feel so. like we can say a lot. I. I well, we could. I, I. I mean, I won't go into him big time because I feel like one. No, but also because it's Michael Jackson, I already know a lot about him, and Isn't I feel it? like other people do anyway. So it's not; it doesn't have to be as informative. We've also yeah. already done the Jackson Five, so now when we started out, yeah. So, but I could go on tangents about that man. I just so find we'll find out how much of his music you know from the songs I give you, because obviously it will um, be it will be more whether there's any that I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Have I got Man in the Mirror? Oh, I shouldn't go on one. I'll send you over the songs. But um, you have got, just to recap, Michael Jackson, Jermaine Jackson, Eric Carmen, Peter Satira, and Angry Anderson. Okay. Yeah, I've not heard of any of the others, so... Okay. Yeah. Going to give him a chance, though. Okay. That is it for this week, and we shall look forward to next week. Yes, we shall. All right. I'll speak to you then. You will. Bye-bye. Bye, Dad.